Imagine if you could sit down at your desk in the morning, piping hot coffee in hand, you could pop open your laptop, double click on a document on your desktop that says life plan, so you could check on what's happening this week, this month, or even this year. Well, I wanna help you create that plan. Let's spend five days together making a roadmap for your future so that you can live all the rest of your days on purpose. Yes, you can own the future that's coming your way. The five-day Own Your Future Challenge is absolutely free to join, and I've got a spot with your name on it. Don't let another week, month, year, or even decade pass you by without owning the vision for who you want to become and the impact you want to make while you're alive. This is five free days of learning from incredible world leaders, helping you to uncover who you truly are and leading you to craft a roadmap and set goals aligned with the future meant for you. This is important. Join me and other amazing global leaders and experts to help you own your future starting May 11th. You can join right now for free at jennaschallenge.com. That's jennaschallenge.com for the five-day Own Your Future Challenge. I can't wait to see you there. You're listening to The Gold Digger Podcast, episode number 105. Do you ever listen to a show and you're like, ah, I just want to ask a question, you know? Sometimes I find myself talking to myself while I'm listening to a podcast episode because my question is so good. So I wanted to take some time today to answer your biggest questions that we've gotten together from you guys, the listeners, and I'm going to share all different things from what is my morning routine to the best productivity hack all the way to what is my big scary dream, how I work with my team, and so much more. This show is going to give you some behind the scenes of what Jenna Kutcher is really like on the daily, and guess what's so cool about it. I get to hang out with you guys. So without further ado, let's dive on in where you can ask Jenna anything. You're listening to the Gold Digger Podcast with Jenna Kutcher, the live workshop style business podcast for creative girl bosses. So you can train from the experts how to dig in, do the work and tackle your goals along the way. Here's your host, photographer, educator, artist and mac and cheese lover, Jenna Kutcher. Guess what? I know you. You want to know something I know about you? You're not a huge fan of sponsors and ads on your favorite shows. You probably hit that little button to skip through them so that you can just get to the point of the episode. Trust me, I get it. That's why I'm doing something a little outlandish and I am dropping all of our sponsors for the Gold Digger podcast. Call me radical, call me crazy, but I set out to make a show that was filled with the free education our industries were lacking and I am jumping right back into alignment with that vision. So this show is brought to you by our totally free guide, five easy ways to grow your email list. You can get your hands on it at jkemaillist.com. That's right, a guide that will get you started help you understand why email lists matter, and teach you to know what to send. My biggest business regret is not starting an email list sooner, so this episode is dedicated to not letting you make the same mistake. Head to jkemaillist.com and get growing that list of yours. Now, what do you say? Are you guys ready to jump into today's episode? Let's do it. Guess what? It's another episode of Ask Jenna Anything, where I pretend like I'm like Ellen or Oprah and people actually care. 
but you guys are awesome because you do care. So I'm so excited to go through and answer your guys' questions. And my team compiled the best questions that I can answer on the show. So shout out to all of you guys who put in your questions. We collect them inside of our private exclusive Facebook group, which you can just find if you go on Facebook, search Gold Digger Podcast Insiders. This is where we get our questions. So should we just dive on in? I feel like I should get all cozy and like look really cute like I'm on stage or something, but I'm really just sitting in my attic by myself looking at my computer screen. So here we go. Question number one is from Sarah Martin. Hey, Sarah girl. She says, Jenna, what's a life update? How are you feeling? What have you been up to? What are you dreaming about? What is a day in the life of Jenna Kutcher look like? Oh my gosh, that's like five questions in one. Let's dive on in. So life update, things are really good. Something I haven't shared about yet is that when we went to Hawaii in the month of September, it was truly life-changing, like truly life-changing. And I think what happened while I was there is I really just took time to kind of surrender, to let go, to be present. And I really just started listening to my intuition more. I kind of tapped into mindset and manifestation. And while that stuff used to sound so wooey to me, oh my gosh, man, it changes everything. So I'm feeling really good. I'm feeling really excited. We set aside two full months at the end of this year, so November and December, to really just focus on strategy and to look at our numbers and to not launch anything, but really just dig into what's going on in the business. And so I feel like I have a full two months to kind of rest while working, if that makes sense. And I'm so excited about that. I am dreaming about what the next year is going to look like. And I can be totally candid and say that for the first time in my life, I don't necessarily have this vision of what it's going to be. I have ideas, but I feel like life has taught me that we can't just visualize and expect that what we're visualizing is going to happen. And so I feel like I'm entering the new year very open-minded and very excited, but also just not trying to box myself into any corners, but to be very just open and kind of, you know, responding to the environment, whatever that looks like. Your last question, Sarah, was what does a day in the life of Jenna look like? And I can just speak to what today is. This morning I woke up. I have started sleeping in in the sense of not setting an alarm. I used to set an alarm every single day and I'm trying to just let my body rest as much as it needs to rest. And I'm finding that I am less tired during the day and I don't take naps. So even if I'm sleeping in an extra 30 minutes, which is such a freedom for working from home, if you guys work from home, you know how amazing that is. What's so great about it is I just feel like I'm waking up naturally when I'm rested. And then I take the dogs on a really long walk, which is awesome because it kind of tires them out at the beginning of the day. And I either listen to a podcast or I listen to worship music or I just don't listen to anything and just be present. And then I went to yoga this morning, which was more like meditation, but it was awesome. And then I dive into work and I've been kind of trying to start my day a little slower intentionally. And then I work a little bit later. So usually I'll work until dinner is ready. Drew is an amazing cook. We love HelloFresh. So I'll plug away at work doing different things, working with my team. I do a lot of writing and content creation. And then uh, Drew and I will walk our dogs. We'll eat dinner. And then we usually watch TV shows like Dancing 
Dancing with the Stars or This Is Us or We Are Still the Weird People that watch MTV The Challenge, which is embarrassing and awesome. So if you guys watch that, kudos to you. We are like the three people on planet Earth that watches it. And then I love to read before I go to bed. So I've really started just reading and falling asleep that way. And it's just so much better than looking at a screen. And I also stopped charging my phone in the bedroom. So I have to wake up and just be very present in that moment. And it's been so helpful. So I hope that answers your question, Sarah. Thank you so much for writing in. And I know that you've taken multiple courses of mine. So thank you. Next question, it comes from Anna Naylor. So she says, this is a good one. She says, I'm interested in how you deal with conflict in your marriage. How do you prioritize quality time with your husband in between your busy work lives? What do you do as quality time in your marriage? So again, multifaceted question, ready to answer. So conflict in our marriage, you know, I think a lot of times it's so easy to like look online and be like, oh, those people, they are the perfect people. Like I always laugh when people comment like relationship goals when we post a picture because while I think that we are in a really beautiful place, especially since we've been together almost 10 years, I think that, you know, every couple has their things. I mean, we're two imperfect humans trying to live life together. And so what we try to do is like take space when we need it. And I can tell you this, you know, we went to church yesterday and after church, we were just like nitpicking at each other for no reason. It was like nobody could do anything right. So Drew went up to the attic to watch football. I stayed down on the first level, read a book. And then we finally came together when we both had time to like figure out why we were being such meanies to each other. But I think taking space when you need it and just leaving that space like more open-minded. So not just like slamming the door and walking away, but saying, hey, I'm going to just go chill for a little bit. When you're ready, let's talk. And that way you're not like festering or going through imaginary conversations in your head because trust me, those never pan out the way you think they're going to. Your second part of your question is how do you prioritize quality time? And to be honest, it's really hard. It's so hard. I love to work. Like I am so fueled up, invigorated. I am the person that is excited for Mondays because I really genuinely love what I do. That being said, I could work day and night. Like if Drew is gone he better know that like I'm working until 10 o'clock, not because I have to, but because I want to. And so really trying to leave our phones downstairs when we go up into our attic to snuggle up for the night, really trying to have conversations where we're fully present. A lot of times I find that our greatest time, the best quality time we have is when we're out walking the dogs because we don't bring our phones with and that is our time to kind of talk and connect. But it's also been a huge shift now that we both work from home. We're together all the time. So there's not like a lot of, you know, how was your day? Because we're literally together. So creating that space, having separate hobbies, and then for what we do in our marriage. So we try to do a date night every single week and there's a very strict no phones policy with that. And I feel like when you can sit over a great meal and have that experience together, I think that's a really beautiful thing to do as a couple. And of course we take our vacations. So we're big vacationers. Christine Dopp, who is a local photographer here, says, can a photographer make six figures by not selling educational classes? Yes. So every year that my photography business has been six figures, which has been since year three and on, so this will be my fourth year in a row of a six-figure photography business, that is strictly from photography and not from education. My education side of my business is entirely separate. It does not impact my photography business. They are run as like separate entities. And so you absolutely can make six figures. Now, what I opted to do is I started with quantity over quality. So 
the year that I shot 30 weddings, I pretty easily made six figures, but man, this girl was burnt out. And so then I started to shift to more quality over quantity. And so when I cut back my workload, I went down to 16 weddings, but then I gave really high end experiences. So a lot of my couples added on engagement sessions. They added on albums. They added on second shooters. They were adding on all of these things to make these bigger packages. So it wasn't that my prices doubled because I don't think that's realistic, but it was that I was giving this well-rounded experience that then led to more print sales. It led to more album sales because I was able to offer a higher touch. Now, this last year, I only photographed eight weddings, but I had an associate photographer. So we grew my team. So I had four shooters at a time. And so I would basically book my associate and then get a portion of her fee. And that way she was working under my window. She was working under my business. But at the same point, it was less work for me. I was just really sticking my neck out to expand my brand and expand my offer, thus making six figures and working way less. So there are many different ways to do it, but absolutely you can make six figures and you just have to figure out like, is it more quality or is it more quantity? And I think there's nothing wrong with with either one of those, you just have to decide what's right for you and then calculate, run the numbers. What do you need to charge? How many clients do you need to reach? How willing are you to work towards that and start to figure out how to do that? All right, Steph Montgomery, who is also on my team, Stephanie says, what do you do to prep yourself for doing live videos? I hate being on video, but I know that Facebook Live and Instagram stories are a great way to connect with your followers. So here's the embarrassing thing, Steph. I don't do much to prep at all. Like I am a fly by the seat of my pants person in so many aspects of my life and business. So some days I will maybe just put on a little bronzer and comb my eyebrows because I have really long eyebrow hair (laughs) and get ready. But a lot of times I find that it is a more organic connection when you're not reading off of a script or you're not overly prepared. And so for some of the teachings that I'll do on Facebook Live, I'll just make like a bulleted list of five items and then I'll maybe write down like story references or triggers so that I know exactly where I'm going with it but I don't do a ton of prep. One thing I would say is like having, you know, a quiet space and having a somewhat decent background can really help with good lighting. So like our office is in our sun porch and that's a great spot to be for doing live videos. And then I'll usually have Drew wrangle the dogs so that they're not running or barking or whatever they do. But otherwise, you know, when it comes to Instagram stories and that, I feel like just being more in the moment because it makes people feel invited and encouraged to approach you that way. But yeah, it's something that I need to get better at. It's not something I love doing, mostly because to be entirely honest, I don't wear makeup. I don't wear real clothes during the week. And so I always feel like if you're showing up live, like you don't want to show up like that, but maybe I should, maybe I should just own it, you know? Kelly Mathis says, I would love to know what you do for health insurance. It is the one last thing I have to figure out before taking the leap. So we looked at a lot of different options because when Drew left his wine selling job, wine sales, that sounds a little better, we had to figure that out, right? Like we're a family, he had the insurance, we didn't want insurance to be the one thing that was holding us back from like going for it. 
So we are Christians. So I have to like preface this. If your belief is not Christianity, then this probably won't be the option for you. But our friends had told us about a health cost sharing. I'm saying this totally wrong. A co-op. So basically what you do, and it's recognized as insurance by the country, by the state, by the laws. And so what happens is every month we pay in and that money gets pooled together to help pay for other people's expenses. And then when we have medical expenses and needs, you submit those bills and then they get covered. It's a little bit different. So you don't necessarily have like certain numbers you need to hit or whatever, but you basically claim self-pay. And then when you go in, you submit your bills. So it's called Christian Healthcare Ministries. We're really big fans of just the notion of stepping away from traditional healthcare and using that money to actually help other people. And what's so great is like, we're very healthy people. So beyond our miscarriage, we haven't had to submit any bills. And so it's been a really cool way to kind of see. And what's so neat about it is that every month they send you a little note about what your money went to help pay for. So they'll tell you like who it's blessing. And I think that's a really cool thing. If any of you guys are interested in that, just shoot me an email or contact me through my contact form and I can send you a little bit more details about that. You do have to be a Christian in order to elect for this co-op. So again, it's not for everyone, but I'm just answering that question. Samantha Burke says, did you have to convince your parents doing this on your own will make you wealthy enough to support yourself? So When I decided to think about leaving Target to pursue my own business, my parents, God bless them, were nervous. And I think any parent would be, right? Like your kid just went to four years of college, got this quote dream job, and now she's leaving it because she bought a $300 camera on Craigslist and created a blog. So, you know, warranted worry from my parents. But What I think was really cool about that is that it really challenged me to have a plan, to be able to communicate that plan, and to make sure that when I took the leap, I knew that the net would be there. So some people need to like quit and get scrappy and like figure it out as they go. And then there are other people like me who I needed to know that I was going to match my salary, that I could at least make a go at it for a year and then figure things out. And so, you know, my parents definitely had their doubts. I wouldn't say that they were unsupportive by any any means, but I think they were challenging me in a way that really made me be sure that I was ready to do this and ready to do the work and make it work. And so that was something that was definitely hard to navigate, but it gave me so much more oomph and like excitement about what I was about to do. Alex Clavin says, what's your morning routine? Best tip for increased productivity throughout the day. So Alex is one of my sister's amazing friends. You guys, she's just like an incredible woman. Hey, Al. Okay, so for morning routine, now this is something that is a work in progress, but I can already see the effects. Um, A few months ago, I was at my mastermind with Lewis Howes, and we listened to Brendan Burchard talk. And this guy is like an efficiency machine. And what he told me really stuck with me. You know, when you hear something from someone and you're like, I will never forget that because I need to do that. So here's what he said. So when he wakes up in the morning, he drinks a big glass of water. He does yoga or stretches for 15 minutes just to get his body woken up, get the blood flowing. Then he sits down and reads for 15 minutes. He said it could be a newspaper, a Bible, it could be a book, it could be whatever you want it to be. 
And then he sits and he thinks for 20 minutes about what he wants to do for his day, how he wants to move forward in his business. So I haven't adopted that fully, but there are definitely pieces of that that have really helped me. Number one is not having your phone next to your head. I cannot tell you guys this enough because when it is there, I don't care how much self-control you have, you are going to go to Facebook, Instagram, check your email, do all these things, and basically you're going to be spending the rest of your day putting out fires. Now, when you do this, this also kind of induces anxiety. I don't know if this happens for you, but it definitely happens for me, where I suddenly feel behind and that I don't have time for things like stretching or breathing or meditation or yoga or whatever that looks like. And so what I've tried to start doing is to just wake up, stretch out a little bit, not look at my phone, either grab my book and read or go on a walk with my dogs and try not to check my email or do anything like that so that I can just get in the right mindset. And when I do that, it absolutely increases productivity because I am putting my priorities first and then I can put out fires after. So for example, I'm recording this episode at 1 p.m. and I have not checked my email yet today which is pretty cool, right? Because I've been able to do yoga and go on a walk and eat a really nice breakfast with Drew and record these episodes because those are my priorities. Whereas if I would have checked my email and then started chasing my tail, then the rest of my day is probably going to be in that inbox responding to the responses and so on. So that would be my best tip, Al. (laughs) Louisa Wells says, I'd love to know what your big dream is. Like, is there a big impossible dream that maybe you're afraid to say out loud? Okay, so, you know, there's nothing that really comes to mind immediately. But one thing that, you know, started as just an idea and has turned into more of like something we're working towards is I really genuinely want to split our time between Hawaii and the Midwest. And so when we started like looking at that, like what is that going to look like? I like imagine our kids being raised like half on the island, half in the Midwest. So having that like roots and home in the Midwest and then like enjoying the island life and understanding the differences and that kind of stuff. So that's kind of my big impossible dream. I have vision boards of me being on Ellen. I have no idea why. And that is always something that when I think of like the big scary goals, I just want to be on Ellen someday. I think it's because I have really good dance moves that you might have seen on Instagram. And like, you know, all of her guests dance when they go out there. So I don't know why or what would warrant me to be on Ellen, but that's on there. So if any of you guys work for Ellen, holler at your girl. And I think that like my big impossible dream would somehow be to be a balanced mother and business owner. And I think that that sounds and feels impossible because I feel like I've learned that balance is a unicorn. But at the same point, I visualize like being a very present mother and being a very present business owner and somehow trying to figure out what that looks like. So that would be my big impossible dream for sure. I love that question, Louisa. Thank you for asking. Skylar C says, can you talk more about the pros and cons of becoming an LLC or getting registered with your city or state? This is what I'm finding confusing for starting a small business. So first things first, I get it. It's so confusing. Like I wish that they had like a step-by-step tutorial on how to do this, but it's actually not as hard as you're making it out to be. So what I would actually recommend for anyone who is collecting any sort of money, you are a business, you need to register, is instead of like 
like trying to figure it out on your own, hire an accountant that can help you set this thing up right. So what I did and the mistake I made is I went on to LegalZoom and filed as a sole proprietor when I should have filed as an LLC. And I didn't understand the difference. And so then when I finally hired my accountant months later, we had to switch everything over. So I would just say to go sit down with an accountant, even if you've only made $100 in your business, they are going to save you so much time and energy and money in the long run, probably one of the best hires you will ever make. And just explain kind of what your goals are, where you're heading to, and what you're expected to make as an income. And let them walk you through it. A lot of times they can even file that stuff for you. So you just have to give them your signature and tell them your business name. But I cannot tell you guys enough, like having an accountant that understands what line of work you're in is the best thing that you can do. And trust me, if I can find an incredible accountant in a village of 1,200 people, you can find one really easily. So ask around, ask for any of your peers who they hired, um, whatever that looks like, that would definitely get you ahead. Ashley DeLuca says, how are you planning for 2018? So at the beginning of the show, I kind of mentioned that this coming year is the first year where I just can't visualize it. I think that we are a little bit in limbo of where we want to live. I think we're in limbo of if we're ready to start a family again. I think we're in limbo of a lot of things. And I think that the limbo is just beautiful and I'm learning to just release expectations and kind of ride it. But that being said... We are already planning out our launches for 2018. We're planning out what's new in terms of course content that we're creating. We're planning out what's next in the product shop. So I have this really big umbrella of things that I am managing, but I also now have a team to help execute it. So basically, I am kind of writing down these big lofty things and then kind of just giving them to my team to start running with. So I think 2018 is going to be the year of strategy for us. So now not necessarily creating a lot of new stuff, but figuring out we have so much content, you guys. We have, you know, four different courses. We're going to create a fifth course. I'm done with courses after that. Like my stuff is out there and it's good and it's working. You know, we have so many ideas. So it's just really honing in on what is the best spend of our time. I'm leading a mastermind, which I'm so excited about. And so really just focusing on how we can make the biggest impact in the biggest ways and then giving my team ownership of that. So that's kind of how I'm planning for that, Ash. I hope that helps answer your questions. And also we're having a full episode all about how to set goals and stick to them where I'll share a little bit of my goal setting strategy with you on that show. Hey, hey, sorry to jump in here, but I wanted to pop back in with a dose of encouragement and a little extra something something for you. You probably keep hearing top marketers say, it's all in the list, it's all in the list, and you're wondering what list they are talking about. Surely it cannot be your to-do list. That's a mile long. They are talking about email lists, and rightfully so. Email marketing is the number one way I drive profits in my business, and to celebrate that simple fact, I created a totally free guide, five easy ways to grow your email list and you can get your hands on it for free at jkemaillist.com. Again, hop to jkemaillist.com to get your guide, hit pause, get your hands on it and get more resources all devoted to growing that email list of yours. And then of course you can jump back into this awesome episode. 
Mindy Honish says, hey, Mindy. Mindy and I went to college together. She says, what has been the biggest learning curve that you have experienced so far and how have you adjusted your business to that? I think that the biggest learning curve was that time isn't just money, time is life. And I think that what I am noticing as a trend in entrepreneurs is that you, when you start out, you look at the money you're making, but you don't look at the time you're spending. So we value our money more than our time. And I just think that that's so not sustainable. And so I think the biggest learning curve for me was that I was pursuing more, which was more work, more working time, more money. But what I didn't understand was like I was not serving my business in places that only I could serve it. I was running around and doing everything, even if I wasn't good at it, because I was so tight gripped on my money. And so I think the biggest change that I've made is hiring which is terrifying and expensive, but it is the most beautiful thing I've ever done because not only am I freed up to focus on the areas that only I can focus on, the things that only Jenna can do, I'm also giving women an opportunity to live their best lives and to serve my business in a way that only they can. And so I think what the biggest learning curve was is that I have to value my time and my time that I'm spending every single day that is showing me how I'm spending my life. And I was a hamster on my wheel. I was stressed out. I was anxious. And so letting go of money in exchange to get back some time was the best change I've ever made in my business. All right, Miriam says, Hey, Jenna, I'd love to know how you handle timing, specifically knowing when the right time is to handle a new project, press, or taking action in your business. Do you wait until all your ducks are in a row or do you take action right away? So I am, I think one of my gifts, Miriam, is that I am an action taker. And I didn't understand this until I started working with people who were not action takers. Um, I'll be the first to admit that when I hired Caitlin, Caitlin is one of the most thoughtful people I've ever met. And she is more the person that would wait on putting it out until it was like done and ready. And I am the person where I'm like, here we go. It's not perfect, but it's done. Let's go. So I am a huge action taker. I'm the kind of person that if I have an idea, I just go out to execute it right away. I don't him and haw or think too much about it because I feel like if I'm being pulled to do something, there's a reason and I should just do it. So I think that done is always better than perfect. I think that you can still take time to take a step back and really look and say, is this what I was hoping for? Is this reaching the right people? Is this serving the purpose I wanted it to before putting it out into the world? But I think that waiting is what keeps people from pursuing their biggest dreams. I think waiting is something that holds people back from being who they should be. And I think that waiting is something that is holding people back from being great. I think people can be good, but not great because they're waiting for permission or waiting for the right time or waiting for perfection. And none of those things exist. You just have to create the time and space to put it out there. So I am an action taker. I think that is my biggest gift as an entrepreneur. And now I have a team to help hold me accountable and to challenge me and to really make sure that I'm like putting stuff out there in the right way. But at the same point, I just go for it. And I think that that's such a beautiful thing. 
Marquette. Hey, Marquette. She says, what did you find you had to do differently to succeed than city entrepreneurs do? Having lived in small towns where the city is two hours away and now living in town, I find not all the marketing business tips work as well for a rural small town business as they do closer to the city. So if you guys don't know my story, I started out in a village of 1,200 people. We didn't know a single soul. It was a very transient community where people lived because it was between Madison and Milwaukee. So it was this tiny little village where people lived because a lot of times they were commuting. So here's the thing. In living in this village in town now, I have never once shot a wedding in the village or town that I live in. Never. Not even once. And so I think what I had to do differently was to market to the cities because I knew those were where my people were. And so a lot of times people didn't even know I lived in a village. They thought I lived in the city and that was one of the best things I could do. So even if you don't live in a high-end area, you can still market to those high-end areas and you have to decide like, is it worth it to you to be driving back and forth all the time? Is it more worth it to have maybe lower priced clients and be home more? You have to look at what works for you. But I would say that what I did differently in general, not even depending on geographic location, is that I really shared who I was because there are so many people doing what you do. And I know you're a photographer doing what you do in cities. So then how do you stand out? How do you create connection with people? And so, like I said, in the last six years, I've never once shot a wedding where we live. I've always marketed to the nearby cities and I market to like the four biggest cities that are within an hour to two hours from us, which means on the weekends I am driving a lot, but it's worth it to me because I would rather do that and do less at a higher quality. Margaret Westerlin says, how has your work-life balance changed since you first started and you were still working your day job at Target? If you could go back, would you do anything different? So sometimes I think back to that time, and I'm sure a lot of people find this, and they're like, how in the heck did I do this? Because I was not only working 50 to 60 hours a week at Target, which included nights and weekends, um, but I was also training for a full marathon. I launched a wedding blog, a Northwoods wedding, and I was starting my business. So I am planning a wedding. So I have no idea how I did things. I literally don't. But I think I've always been somebody that functions better when I'm busy because it makes me have to just make decisions faster and it helps me to not overthink things. So my work-life balance was definitely skewed. Um, We went from planning a wedding to being newlyweds and living together. And so I know that a lot of times I would kind of burn the candle on both ends. So I'd work at Target and then I'd go home and work on wedding stuff. And, you know, it was funny because I started to realize like when I was at Target, I was always thinking about the photography thing, which was a very clear indicator that I needed to like start making big moves. But I absolutely have a million times better work-life balance now. And I think that even now, even compared to a few months ago, I am making giant strides in just learning how to handle stress better and how to set aside time for myself and how to really implement self-care, not in a way of like taking baths every day, but really just checking in with myself, scanning my body, taking time to just breathe. And so I don't think I would do anything different because I had to do Target in order to get to where I was and be able to find my dream. And so at that stage of the game, I was using whatever was left over from my salary to help fund my new dream um, and just really kind of look ahead. And so it was definitely crazy. It was 
definitely a really interesting period in my life, but I guess it wouldn't change anything because it obviously got me to where I am. I think that if you are working a full-time job and side hustling, like kudos to you. Remember how you're doing things now because when you have more time, it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to get more done. So create systems now and I think that really helps save me. All right, we're down to the last two questions. Megan Jepson says, do you find it difficult to work remotely with your team at times? How do you set expectations when taking on a new team member? How do you divide responsibilities during a project? And about communication. I know you guys communicate via Slack, but being that your team members are mostly contractors and set their own schedules, are your communications ever lost in translation when someone isn't logged in? Okay, I'm going to break this up so that it's very clear to answer. So Megan says, do you find it difficult to work remotely? So honestly, no, because I am a hermit. (laughs) I love to be alone. And the thought of having like an office where people came in every day and I had to be there actually stresses me out more than working remotely. So I think the hardest thing is just time zone. So two members of my team are in California, one's in Atlanta, um, and then three of us are in the Midwest or four of us, I should say. So sometimes time zones can get just a little tricky because we're, you know, my California girl are working later in the night when I'm ready to log off um, and things like that. But at the same point, I love it because I think we're all comfortable. We all can have our separate lives. And I personally, like I said, it gives me anxiety to think about showing up to an office every day. I think we could be more productive if we did that and like had more face-to-face time. But I still haven't even met like three people on my team. I've never actually met them in person and they've been working for me. Danielle's been working for me for over two years. And I should say working with me because she's incredible. Okay. So how do I set expectations when taking on a new team member. So when my sister, she was our last hire to help manage a show, I think that what was really cool is her and I, we had a weekend. So it was actually our bachelorette party weekend, but we had a full day together where I kind of walked her through things. And I think You know, I like to think that I do a good job as a boss, giving people the autonomy to make mistakes and giving them the ownership to learn as they go. And so I kind of walked her through the processes. And then I also screen recorded when I was teaching her them so that we created a resource library for her because I don't expect her to learn everything the first time I show it. I know there's a lot of complex things that we do in our business. And so we want to have a resource library and then facilitate a space for questions. And so what was awesome is when she started full-time. I was in Hawaii, but Caitlin was readily available to answer questions. And Caitlin is a natural teacher. This also helped create space between me and my sister to help her feel like she wasn't just reporting to me as a sister, but also to a team. So then the next part of that question is, how do you divide responsibilities during a project? So a lot of times we'll use Google Drive documents, and then I'll tag people in those. So when we go into a launch, we'll break everything up. But the cool thing is, is that people already know their roles, like they're working in them every day. So during a launch, Danielle, she does all the tech and linking everything up. Stephanie is in my support inbox, so she already knows she's just going to have an increased volume during launch. Caitlin is my main assistant brand manager. So the brand is going into launch. Caitlin's going into launch. So she does extra support. She does chat support. My sister helps manage the social media side of things. So it is all hands on deck. But also I want people to do the jobs that they're good at and kind of just extend what their daily jobs are in a big way so that everyone is doing what they do best. So then the last part of this is 
about communication, I know you communicate via Slack. So Slack is just like a messenger service. So we're all logged in while we're on. And then if you're logged off, it just shows that you're not online. So working with people that set their own schedules, yes, some things can get lost in translation, but I always say nothing is that urgent. Like there are very few things that are urgent in this business. And so I love to communicate via Slack because then when people log on, they can see what I said. And it's not this like sense of urgency like, oh crap, I got to get caught up. And so when I always say like, we're not curing cancer, though I wish we were, I mean that in the sense of like, nothing is more urgent than what you're doing right now, whether you're taking care of your baby, you're picking your girls up from school. And so if there is something urgent, then we will send a voice text to each other and we keep that line of communication as an option. But Slack is preferred just because then while people are working, they can work and while they're logged off, they can be logged off. So I hope that answers your question, Megan. Growing a team definitely has growing pains, but it has been the best thing I've ever done. Okay, last question is from Ada Glowick. Ada says, hey, Jenna, I'd love to know how you handle all the projects that you have going on without being overwhelmed. I know you have a team working for you, but you also need to keep track of what they are doing. I just want to learn how I can juggle different projects in the most efficient way. Thank you for all your amazing contact. So Ada, it's either Ada or Ida, and I hope I'm saying it correctly because I really like your name. Okay, so one of the best things that I've ever done in my business and in my life is batch working, and I've shared about this a few different ways, but basically what I love to do is set aside each day for a certain task so that I can just be in that task all day. So today is recording episodes. And then once I get done with those big episodes that I wanted to record, then I can move on to the other stuff. And so I have a million projects going on, yes, but I love to set aside either days or weeks or even months where I am just focusing on one facet of my business to complete it so that I can move on. So for example, October was all about the podcast. It was about recording all the way through the end of the year. It was about setting expectations. It was about looking at our overall schedule, partnering with my sister. Then November is going to be all about automation. So we're going to be digging into the strategy, the numbers, the conversions, how we can increase that, what that looks like. And then December is going to be all about planning for the next year. So I love to batch everything up. So instead of doing photography and then doing doing Instagram and then teaching and then creating content and then recording for the podcast and then all this stuff. I like to really just set aside clear time so my team knows what's going on so that I can focus and they can still be doing their regular jobs. But then when the time comes for me to partner with them, they're going to be freed up so that we can work together, the two of us, to work on whatever it is that we're working on. And so Yes, it's overwhelming at times, but when I find that it's overwhelming, what I do is I just do a brain dump where I'll make a Google Drive doc and I'll just type up anything that's on my mind, even if it's just like, I don't even know what's for dinner tonight, or I need to go to yoga tomorrow, or whatever that looks like. And then that way I can just get everything out of my head and then start to see, okay, how can I delegate this? Or how can I have somebody's help on this? Or how can I just get this done so that I can get out of my head right now? And that really helps ease the burden. So I hope that answering your questions was so helpful. You guys, I love doing these. We're going to be doing one very soon. So if you want or have a question that you would love to be answered live on the show, just hop over to our Facebook group. Again, if you go on Facebook, you can search for Gold Digger Podcast in 
Insiders, and I can approve your entry and hang out with you inside of there. If you forget how to get there, just go to golddiggerpodcast.com, and we have a little spot where you can click to join our community. But I love answering your questions. It is so fun to connect with you on that way, and I hope that it's so helpful. I know that running a business or even just being a dreamer can be really overwhelming at times, and I want you to know that you're not alone and that we can come together in this time and space and really achieve big things. So until next time, Gold Diggers, keep on digging your biggest goals. And thank you so much for all of you that submitted your questions for this month. Thanks for listening to Gold Digger. Dive into show notes for this episode and all past episodes at www.golddiggerpodcast.com. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next time. You gold digging dream chaser, you.